Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says Jesus is the answer? So often when we reflect upon Jesus and his life and his ministries, we think that Jesus has all the answers. But the truth is that throughout his life and ministry, Jesus asked many, many more questions than he answered. Jesus asked a total of 339 questions in our gospel recording. He used the questions to teach and to provoke, to enable us to think and answer for ourselves the questions of faith that he was putting before us. Instead of giving people the easy answers that they thought, Jesus asked questions. Simple questions like, how many loaves do you have when he sought to, fill, to feed the multitudes? But other questions were more challenging. Who do you say that I am? He made people wonder, if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? And is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He asked, who is your neighbor? And do you love me? And where is your faith? Jesus asked a lot of questions. In fact, in, uh, according to both Matthew and Luke, his last words on the cross were a question. My God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus uses these questions not to convey information to us, but rather to elicit understanding from us. Information is not the goal. Transformation is. Last week, Pastor Seth told of the very beginning of Jesus' ministry on the banks of the River Jordan when he was baptized uh, by his cousin John. And in this next story you are about to hear, Jesus asks his would-be disciples a very important question that we should all ask ourselves throughout our lives. A reading from John. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Will you pray with me? Startle us, O oh God, with your truth. 
come here today looking for hope, looking for meaning, looking for you. And as we look, oh God, find us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So back in the olden days, when we used to go shopping at department stores and malls, anybody remember that? My mom used to take us shopping for shoes or clothes or whatever bargains were to be had. And I confess that over the years, I built up a bit of a phobia over overzealous salespeople. That is back in the olden days when you could find a salesperson. Because inside of five minutes, my mother would find some embarrassing thing to tell this complete stranger about our lives. You could bet on it. She'd talk about my brother's shoe size, size 16, how much I'd grown and I, how I'd hit puberty and it might be difficult to find the right bathing suit for me. I actually called my siblings this week to see if their memories matched mine. They did. In fact, my sister mentioned that one salesperson remembered a story that my mom had told her five years before, and she could repeat it back to her. I learned early on that when a salesperson approached me, I would just say, just looking, thanks. Anybody else do that? Just looking. What are you looking for? What do you seek? What will give meaning to your life? It's one of the quintessential questions of our lives. It's an important human question. What are we looking for? What do we seek? According to the Gospel of John, Jesus asked this question three times. The first one was at the beginning of his ministry, which we just heard in today's passage. Uh, John sees Jesus walking by. He, he tells his friends, look, the Lamb of God. And Jesus and John's disciples inexplicably leave their teacher and start to follow Jesus. But what does Jesus say? Not, hey, welcome to the group, bro. Or what do you have to offer us? No, Jesus says, what are you looking for? Instead of giving him an answer, curiously, they ask him, where are you staying, Rabbi? Come and see, he says to them. And I would argue that he says that to us, too. Come and see. The second time in the Gospel of John, by the way, that Jesus asks this question is on the night of his arrest. He asks the soldiers who are coming to arrest him a variation for, of that question. Who are you looking for? And finally... Three days later, on the morning of his resurrection, Jesus asks Mary 
as she's crying outside the tomb. Mary, why are you crying? Who or what are you looking for? It's an important question. Now, if you or I go to the mall, and, or if you or I find ourselves lost in this maze of hallways that is this church, and we get asked that question, what are you looking for? It seems like a perfectly natural question, uh, one that maybe we could easily answer. I'm looking for the parlor or Pilgrim Hall or the Sunday school room. But from the lips of Jesus, this is not a simple question. When he asks who or what are you looking for, it is a profound question that goes to the core of who we are. Do you know what you're looking for? What you're really looking for? On one level, I think we would say, we would all say that we're looking for a little happiness, whatever your definition for that is. In these post-COVID times, I think we're all looking for a little normalcy, whatever your definition of that is. I think one thing that COVID has taught us is how much we seek connection with one another. And when we cannot have it, we suffer. God made us to be together, to love one another, to be connected. Friends, this last few years have been a ride, and we forget how traumatic it has been, how much has changed in our lives. A few years ago, the New York Times uh, asked its readers what they were looking forward to after the pandemic restrictions were lifted. And the response was familiar. Here's a sampling. Christina wrote, I want to see a movie in a movie theater. Sticky floors and stale popcorn and all. I missed the whole experience, she said. Lori from Wisconsin said, I want to see people's faces again. Their whole face, the white of their teeth when they smile, and how they chew their bottom lip when they're deep in thought. Patricia from Florida said, I am most eager to spend time with my grandchildren to hug them tight and read to them and discuss dinosaurs and assemble Legos. Lynn from Texas said, I want to see live performances again, whether it's dressing up or sitting in a symphony hall or sitting on the lawn at the park, seeing Shakespeare. And Sarah from Natchez said, I'm looking forward to hugging my father and the kids I teach and my adult son, I want to hug them all and then throw a great dinner party where our friends come and linger and watch each other smile, maskless. These are just some of the things that we were looking forward to. And we often, I think, forget how thankful we need to be when we get to do them and experience them. What are you looking for? Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we celebrate this week, said it so eloquently all those years ago 
in his I have a dream speech. I used to make my kids listen to it on the MLK holiday. I figured if they had a day off of school, they may as well know why. And so we would always listen to his speech. He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. What are you looking for? Friends, you and I, I think we are longing for something more. Perhaps something that we can't even quite put our finger on. Many of us spend our lives with indistinct longings that we're not quite sure how to satisfy. We yearn for something, but we're really not sure what. So we try a little bit of this or a little bit of that. In Arthur Brooks' new column in the, uh, the Atlantic this week, he wrote a story with the provocative title, How We Learned How to Be Lonely. He notes that Communities can be amazingly resilient after traumas like the one we have experienced through COVID-19. Often the worst conditions bring out the best in people as they strive to work together for their own recovery and that of their neighbors. According to Brooks, though, the COVID-19 crisis is resistant to that phenomenon. The most salient feature in the pandemic was how it forced us all into isolation. Instead of coming together, emerging evidence suggests, according to Brooks, that we are in the midst of a long-term crisis of habitual loneliness. Many people, maybe even you, are still wandering alone, without the company of friends and loved ones to help rebuild their lives. We've simply gotten out of the habit of seeking out friends and loved ones and a community like this to belong to. I recently read an article about a grocery store chain in the Netherlands that in order to combat the epidemic of loneliness, has instituted a slow checkout line. For those who want to chat with their fellow people in the queue, for those who want to chat with their cashier. I think I'm always in that line. Turns out it's been wildly successful. My mother would have loved it. Believe me when I tell you that we need, we have a need to connect with each other and with God. What are you looking for, asks Jesus. The question leads us to face ourselves and then turn to the very bread of life, the cup of salvation, the very light of the world. What is it that you're seeking? What are you looking for? The truth is, I think, that like the two disciples who followed Jesus, who came and saw, 
We do not always know what we're looking for, but we do know that there is this deep longing in our hearts. Author Barbara Brown Taylor writes that one midnight, she asked God to tell her as plainly as possible what she was supposed to do with her life. And then out of the blue, the answer came to her, into her sleepy head. Anything that pleases you. What? She says, waking up. What kind of answer is that? Do anything that pleases you, the voice in her head said, and belong to me. She could pump gas or clean out latrines, but as long as she remembered whose she was, her calling would be a true one. St. Augustine famously said 16 centuries ago, you have made us for yourself so that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. That is to say, maybe God created us with this question in our hearts, this longing for God, God's self. Put another way, God has created us with a God-shaped hole that nothing but God can fill. That's what we're looking for, I think, for God, for truth, for a relationship with that which is ultimate, for a sense that our lives matter to God. We are all, I think, on some level, seekers after God. I have a good friend, Heather. Heather's family never attended church when Heather was growing up, but several years ago, Heather began to feel a longing in her heart. She, she, she felt like she was looking for something more, more with a capital M. And so she began to attend her church in her Chicago neighborhood. And the more she got involved with her church, the more that emptiness, that God-shaped hole began to be filled. And a couple of years ago, she took a new job in Washington, D.C. And, and one of the first things she did was to find a church. And as soon as her church opened up for in-person worship, Heather was baptized. Baptized at the age of 52. And last year, she went on a wonderful, spirit-filled mission trip to Kenya with her church. What are you looking for? After Jesus asks his disciples this question, and he bids them to come and see, they were never, never the same again. No matter who you are or how old you are, we are all in some way or another looking for God, looking for a place to belong, where we are welcome and at home, looking for something big and important enough to commit our lives to. I still say, I'm just looking to overzealous salespeople. Maybe you do too. But I have long since followed 
the bid to come and see. And what I have been privileged to have seen and experienced has been more, more than worth the journey. I have learned the beauty of sharing the vulnerable and sometimes, yes, embarrassing parts of my story with fellow travelers. And I have come to trust this journey of discovery that Jesus has called me to. The psalmist in uh, Psalm 24 writes, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Friends, I am convinced that we all long for that presence of God with a deep hunger. We are looking for the one who showed us what love looks like, what love does, the one who showed us that God is love, the one who gives us a place to be and a person to follow all the days of our life. So what are you looking for? Come and see. Amen.
now, friends, remember you go no place by accident. Wherever you go, God has placed you there. Christ, who lives within you, has something to accomplish through you. So let us go now in his grace, in his peace, and in his love. Amen. Yeah. 